0: It can be hard to know what our kids are really thinking and feeling, but when we encourage kids to engage with us in conversation, and when we lean in and actively listen, we inevitably learn something that helps us do better by them. Welcome to Dear Highlights, the podcast inspired by letters and emails from kids who write to highlights, seeking a listening ear and a little guidance as they wind their way through childhood. A short, sweet season, but also a period of heavy lifting for kids. I'm Christine French Culley, Editor-in-Chief of Highlights and your podcast host. I'm joined by Hillary Bates, our podcast producer and thoughtful mom of two. We're here to amplify the voices of children and to explore with expert guests many of the issues that kids and families wrestle with regularly. We're glad you've joined us.
1: My
2: mom and dad have been separated for about a month. I have kids. I get i your to Your highlights.
0: So, Hillary, here we are, already launching season three of our podcast. And I think we made really good
2: use of our between seasons break to find some interesting guests. The topics we're doing this season, I'm most excited about that we've done so far. We got to hear from parents as well as kids about some of the things that are on their mind right now. And we'll be talking about things from talking to our kids about the difficult moments in American history, including things like slavery. We know that's on a lot of people's minds right now to more day-to-day challenges that we have, challenges I'm having in my house as well, which is how do we get kids to help around the house? That's a good one.
0: (laughs) And of course, the topics we select are still influenced by our reader mail. And today's topic is outdoor winter play. We often hear from kids who complain that they don't have enough time to play We've heard from kids who tell us that recess is their favorite part of the school day. I know a few kids like that. And kids just seem to recognize that their little bodies need fresh air and exercise, and maybe they're even better at recognizing that than, than parents are. But in the U.S. anyway, they are less likely to get fresh air and exercise when winter settles in and the temperatures begin to drop.
2: Even in years when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, January to many parents means the time of year when we're feeling a little stir-crazy and a little pent up. And so to me, this is the perfect time to talk about how for ourselves and for our kids, we can feel better by being outside more.
0: Our guest today makes the case that the best childhood memories are created outside. And she urges parents and caregivers to go outside with their kids every day, regardless of the weather. So we're about to make a little Dear Highlights podcast history here with our first international guest. Listeners, please meet Linda Orkazone McGurk, a Swedish-American journalist, blogger, and author of the parenting memoir, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, A Scandinavian Mom's Secrets for Raising Healthy, Resilient, and Confident Kids. Linda, thanks for coming on our podcast to share with us some of your secrets.
1: Thank you so much, I'm excited to be here.
0: Let's begin by hearing a little bit about your childhood. Can you tell us how you experienced the outdoors and how you feel about nature today?
1: So I grew up in in Sweden and it's a culture that is very much uh, steeped in uh, people's love for nature. And nature is also viewed as an essential part of childhood. And in Sweden, you know, the forest or uh, a lake is rarely, uh, rarely more than a stone's throw away. So uh, we have very good access to nature. And uh, we also have what you call um, the right to roam. So so basically, you can, you have the right to recreate on both like publicly and privately owned land. So we're exposed to, uh, to nature areas, uh, daily and it starts already in infancy. So as a baby, I would nap outside, uh, all year round and, and pretty much any, any types of weather and, uh, at preschool. Uh, I would play outside. That's a, a right that children have uh, in the national. It's even specified in the national curriculum for the preschool that kids have the right to play outside. And uh, same at school where, you know, a fifth of the school day is consists of recess outside. And um, also took part of um, this culture called uh free live sleeve or open air life with my family and that just means enjoying nearby nature sort of on a on a daily basis so um and I, and I, where i lived i literally had uh the woods in my backyard so i spent a lot of time there and and uh i would say to this day there's no place that makes me feel at home like uh, you know when i when i enter like a coniferous forest, you know, I'm just completely at ease. And uh, I just have this feeling of home. And I think I've just sort of developed this strong bond with nature over time. And I think it's a a result of having those accumulated uh, nature experiences uh, over time uh, with people that were close to me. So... Yeah, so nature is home for me and always has been.
0: It sounds like uh, the outdoors, playing in the outdoors and being in the outdoors is a really sacred part of childhood in Sweden.
1: Yeah, it is very much so.
0: So you moved to uh, the U.S. and lived here for a little while. And I think sometimes people who experience two cultures are better able to notice things that those of us who have not experienced two cultures in the same way uh, don't experience. What did you notice when you moved to the US about how we in America think about the outdoors, especially in winter?
1: Yeah, I think you're right that uh, that people coming from outside often notice things uh, about the culture that you don't when you live in the middle of it. And I think that's part of why, uh, one of the reasons why like these different parenting books have become so popular uh, from different parts of the world. And what I noticed uh, when I moved to the U.S., and I lived over there for uh, 13 years. So for, uh, yeah, most of my adult life, I've lived in the States. And um, uh, what I noticed when I first moved over uh, was that I I didn't see a lot of kids playing outside. Uh, and it surprised me. And uh, it became even more obvious to me when I had my first, uh, my oldest daughter, and when she was a baby, I noticed, yeah, that I just, I was, a lot of times, I was the only person at the playground. And in Scandinavia, you know, where I grew up, there's this sort of consensus that kids need outdoor play all year round and in all types of weather. And there's sort of this general idea that this is not just normal, but this is good for kids, and kids are encouraged to, you know, get messy and and uh, engage in like risky play, like climbing trees and so forth. And in the U.S., I noticed that this was not not the case. Um, and I think the first time when I, I had one of those aha moments was when my daughter was about 6 months old and i was walking her in the stroller in the winter and it was freezing cold and um but but that's you know part of what what we do in sweden we we get out in the winter and walk for pleasure and i uh, had a lady drive by in a pickup truck and she she slowed down and, and rolled down the window of the truck, and and she, you know she asked me if I wanted a ride, and I said you know I thanked her and and for the offer and said you know that's very nice of you, but um, I'm I'm just walking my daughter to to the babysitter's house. It's not not a you know not a long uh, walk, and she she could not like wrap her mind around that. She because she thought that I was she took pity on me because she thought, you know, I didn't have a car and um she wanted to help out and that actually I, it happened to me several times that people felt sorry for me when they saw me outside in the winter time. So it was one of those culture <laughs> clashes <laughs> Yeah,
2: Linda, I'm just I'm just nodding my head because I think everybody who has raised kids has had experiences of if not people wanting to get you out of the cold, people wanting to suggest maybe how you should have clothed your your little one. I definitely have had have multiple memories of when my kids were smaller of someone stopping and saying You know, either they needed to get out of the cold or they needed more layers of clothing, you know, that they had on them. (laughs) I think that's so funny. It makes me wonder um, if in Sweden, do you have people, uh, you know, chiding you to get your kids outside or sort of what are what are what are folks there (laughs) stopping to uh, be
1: concerned about your kids about? oh wow um I don't know it's probably one of those things that when you live in in it you don't think about it as much <laughs> right. but I'm sure if you came over here you would uh, you would notice it <laughs> but um, I know for sure like for uh, once my kids were older and they started you know when they started school um, they were barely let outside for recess in the wintertime. So the kids in the U.S., they were like begging to go outside for recess. Well, over here, it is the opposite. The kids are like, can we come inside now? Because they are always kicked out, you know, no matter the weather, pretty much. So that's like one of those contrasts that my kids have noticed after we moved back to Sweden a few years ago. Yeah that that's another difference that I noticed when I when I lived in the US was that um the kids rarely had outdoor recess in winter because it was usually uh what I was told was that it was either too wet or too rainy or you know too too cold or uh too snowy, or I even had a nurse once tell me that you know kids have no business being outside when it's cold out, and uh, that shocked me because in Sweden everybody is kind of on board for the idea that kids need to be outside um, every day, uh, preferably, and that and that includes the whole healthcare system with doctors and and other. Uh, Healthcare providers and uh, parents and grandparents and teachers and preschool teachers. So there's this, yeah, this consensus. And uh, in the U.S., I, I didn't notice that as much. But you know, I, I think I think most people kind of feel in their guts that outdoor play is a good thing. And I I've had a lot of older Americans tell me that it used to be like that, but there are, for some reason, you know, all these obstacles today. Yeah,
0: I remember and, as uh, a kid yeah. bundling up to walk to school in the winter. Mm.
1: And now I yes. see
0: parents sitting at the bus stop with their kids in warm cars. Mm. They won't even let their kids, you know, wait a few minutes at the bus stop. And and I was probably guilty right. of that myself when my kids were young. So things have changed a little <laughs> bit here, I believe.
1: They have.
0: So this issue is really important to you, obviously, and it, we should all spend a little more time thinking about it. Um, talk a little bit, if you will, about the benefits for kids, uh, the benefits of having free, unstructured time outside. There, there. I'm sure there are physical and mental health benefits that are important to you.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, you mentioned yourself remembering playing outside when you were a child. And I know when I talk to people, like, you know, a lot of times when they tell you about their childhoods, uh some of their most treasured moments uh are from something that happened outside. I think we can all sort of relate to that. And uh so as so I think it is, uh, you know, it it should be a sacred part of childhood and and not just for nostalgic reasons. Um I think uh, because uh you know, because there are so many benefits, both, and they don't end at the physical uh, benefits. I mean, uh, but those are the most obvious, maybe. We know that physical activity is the foundation for uh, for health, and it can help prevent so many diseases. And, uh, you know, in addition to the physical benefits, there's just a slew of uh, mental health uh, benefits as well. Um, being outside can reduce stress. Um, it can help children with ADHD focus better, and um, there are also a lot of cognitive skills that are honed outside. Um, just think of a child climbing a tree. You know, there are so many decisions that they have to to make. They have to uh plan their their way up there they have to you know there are all these um uh, risk uh, risk uh, judgment calls that they have to make and um and the and of course the the motor skills uh, involved as well and uh so outdoor play it really benefits the whole child and those skills are unfortunately Overlooked, I think. Um, it's like we, society right now is very focused on academic skills, and uh, we tend to miss a lot of these very basic skills and fail to see that they actually form the basis for the academic learning that comes later. So, I mean, in order for, to hold a pencil and master writing, um, like uh what the child needs to to practice and, and and have that sensory input. So like playing in in mud and, and playing with sticks and rocks and, and all that is a preparation for academic work. And um but maybe the most important to me personally, why I think why I'm so passionate about this is I think all kids uh, deserve to have that sort of, to form that bond with nature early on and to, to sort of develop a love for nature. And I think not just for their own sake, but also for the sake of the earth, because we need people who know, we need these kids to grow up, to adults that will protect nature. I mean, we need that more than ever. Yeah, I think that's that's the most important reason or one of the most important reasons for me personally to be passionate about this.
0: Well, that's a good reason, (laughs) very good reasons. And, you know, if there is an upside to the pandemic and and there have been a few upsides, bright spots, um, one is that it has changed uh, some of our habits and suddenly the outdoors looks more appealing to many of us. So, that's good. Um have you yeah. seen <laughs> have you seen changes in um parents' interest in outdoor play as a result of the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, I think I think in Sweden, um I think people started doing more of what they were already doing in terms of getting outside with their kids, but then of course I've also uh, I stay in contact with a lot of parents in, in the U.S. as well, and I, I, a lot of my followers are from there, and I keep in touch with them. And what I'm hearing from the U.S. is a lot of positive, very positive signs right now that people, you know, once the outdoors sort of became the only option available, the only option that was you know, safe. Um, then I think people discover that well, maybe this wasn't so bad after all. Like not even in the winter, if we just bundled up a little bit, um, this is actually doable. It's possible to move birthday parties outside and even you know holiday celebrations, and and we can play outside and, and be safe. And uh, and schools have really had to rethink. They uh, teach as well, and even in in areas where it's been very hard to to get any changes uh, in the school system, um, we're seeing these outdoor classrooms pop up. And I I talk about this in my book. I, I tell the story about how I try to work with you know my kids' school and and suggested. That we get a that we that we uh, you know make a an outdoor classroom for for the kids in this part of the schoolyard that was unused and uh, and uh, at the time like there was like zero interest from the administration and from the other parents the PTA shot me down and nobody wanted anything to do with it and now I heard from a friend uh, that this year, they actually created an outdoor learning space at that school. So, you know, if it can happen there, I think it can happen anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> and I'm so, I was so happy to hear that.
2: i shared with you when we talked before that I live in the Midwest, which is also where you lived while you were here. And my yeah. daughter's school has established several outdoor classrooms for the same reason during the pandemic. Mm. And when I talked to my daughter about what she likes most about her classes, at the beginning of the year when I was asking her her favorite classes, she said a subject that I'm not used to her liking. And I said, oh, what do you like so much about that class? And she said, because we're sitting by trees. And, uh, you know, really, yeah, well, it really struck me um, how much that can matter to kids and for kids that need to move, how much more freedom they have um, in an outdoor classroom setting. And I think we're probably only at the beginning of understanding everything we're going to learn about what those changes can mean for kids at school.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, there, there's been a lot of research in the past few decades. It's like, like I said earlier, I think in our guts, we, we know, we know intuitively that this is good for kids, but it's not until we have it on paper where we can actually point to the facts and the research. That's when, um, when things start to change, and even then it's, it's change can be a, a <laughs> awfully slow process yeah
0: yeah Linda, what would you say to parents who feel that they don't have access
1: to parks and natural spaces near them? Um, I know this is definitely an issue uh, in a lot of places. Uh, this is where the us and Scandinavia are a little different, where um, Like, as I mentioned earlier, where we have the right to roam uh, anywhere, and we also have a lot of sort of nature areas. Um, But, you know, having said that, I think we also have to sort of rethink what, you know, what we mean when we talk about nature, because in general, I think when people hear the word nature, they think of a pristine sort of wilderness area, uh, or a, maybe like a national park somewhere, uh, far away. Um, and, uh, we, we do know that, that those wilder places sort of far away from civilization, they're more, um, uh, restorative than, uh, than, you know, being in the city. But, uh, any time spent outside is also beneficial to the child and it's time well spent. And I think, you know, if we practice our skill to see nature everywhere, um, you know, you can see, for example, I mean, cloud spotting, for example, you can do that anywhere. Birds live in the city as well. Um, And, uh, you know, the snowflakes falling on your forehead, that's nature too. And so I think kids are really good at spotting those little things. And maybe um, I think it would benefit us adults to sort of get into that mindset as well to just sort of observe those little things around us. And if you have a backyard, that's a great place to start. Um, it could be a world of wonder to a young child. And uh, and it doesn't have to be uh, like a a nature preserve either. I mean, I remember when we when we built our house in the country, we, for the longest time, we had a couple of huge piles of dirt in our backyard. And that year until we had our yard done, my kids were in those dirt piles 24 seven. That was like <laughs> the best toy. And for younger kids, being in a preserve where there are a lot of regulations in terms of what you're allowed to do and not to do, um, uh, you know, I think it's more, they might actually get more out of a place that is a little, uh, where they where they can be a little more free to dig, to dig and, and just play around. And uh, because just walking on a trail in a nature pres- preserve is not, Super, you know, engaging to a small child. They need to be able to engage with all their senses, and uh, so just uh, like a little dirt pile um, can be really beneficial. I think you just just have to try and find those places, Um, and uh, yeah. And then on the weekends or holidays, you you can try and get get out a little further, but definitely try to identify those smaller areas nearby that you can get to, you know, in in your everyday life.
0: Yeah. And those small moments you talked about are really important. Your comment about snowflakes falling on your forehead and and observing a bird. I have a friend who studies brain science and she talks about she calls those moments. Wow. Moments. And talks yeah. about how if you just take a full minute or a full two minutes to appreciate that moment, you know, to, to stay in mm. it, observe it, how that resets your nervous system and, and how it's just so good for you uh, physically and mentally. Yes. And those wow moments, as you say, can happen in this and often do happen in the smallest of spaces. Uh
1: Yes. yes. So it's definitely. attitude. A lot
0: of it's attitude, and
1: kind of having yes. your antenna
0: up, and being observant.
1: Yeah, yeah I think you just got to start start where you are, um, and uh, and, you, and use what you have, um, and then the rest will come.
0: Well, you have given us Linda a lot of good information that will um, perhaps make us reconsider some of the choices we make as parents uh, about play in the winter, but you know some of these challenges are not just about parenting choices they're not going to be solved with better chick parenting choices some of the challenges uh, really need some structural changes if we really believe that children are the world's most important people how would we design a world that would be better for kids in regard to this issue
1: yeah i i agree with you i it's uh you st- you can always start with yourself and your family obviously that's where you're going to have the biggest impact um but then i don't think we should stop there i think we should reach out to other parents and and sort of to network and uh, um i think a lot of it um a lot of it has to do with um you know finding um Uh, finding like-minded people and sort of creating a community of outdoor play where for example we know that a lot of parents uh, feel insecure about letting their kids out in the community to play Um, so I think we need to sort of work on that social trust getting to like getting to know our neighbors and and help each other look out for the kids as they're outside playing um and in communities that are not safe for tra- you know for reasons like uh traffic or um whatever then we need to kind of take it one step further to uh Letting uh, our city councils know that we want communities that are safe for children and communities that have uh, green spaces where kids can play. And I know it might sound like a tall order, but there are definitely, I've I've been in, in several projects like that myself, and I know that a lot, like big changes can be made even in even in small communities that are, you know, uh, economically challenged, um, there are community foundations that are usually happy to pitch in for projects like these. Um, so uh, in the community where I lived in Indiana, we we um, we worked on a natural playground. I mean, we we felt like the kids in our community didn't have a, a good uh Place to, to to play. The playground was very deteriorated, and so we were just a group of moms who got together and started raising money for a natural play- playground. And um, the community foundation, they were on board, and then we approached business, local businesses as well. So I think you know there could be a lot of community building uh, involved in creating these greener communities.
0: Right. Never never underestimate what a group of passionate moms or parents can accomplish when they put their heads together and they go for it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Linda, thank you so much. Uh, This has been wonderful and it's so timely right now as winter is um, settling in. We're all settling into winter in most parts of the country. (laughs) So it's great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can learn more about kids' hopes and dreams and their worries and fears from the book Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available on highlights.com or wherever you buy your books. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and share the link with your friends. See you next time.